1: your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: It is Victory Monday. Here on Locked On Dolphins, I am your host, Kyle Krabs. Today's episode is brought to you by Visa. Help support your local businesses. Whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops, local businesses have always been on your team supporting you and your community. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa. Everywhere you want to be official partner of the NFL. 43-17. to 17. The Dolphins victorious in week 5 in absolutely stunning, dominant fashion. Unlike a complete team victory, this fan base has not experienced in a really, really long time. If you want to come into this game and come out of this game, and you want to look for complaints, you could reference the penalties if you wanted to. Never mind the fact that the roughing the passer to extend San Francisco's drive to go down and score and cut it to 16 points with their opening possession with CJ Beathard in the second half was nonsense, and it wasn't a penalty. You could talk about the lack of consistency running the ball from a yards per carry perspective. But we're going to get into that because I guarantee you the running of the football was better than it looked when you just looked at the raw numbers in the box score. Maybe you look at Jakeem Grant's performance, a muffed punt, the frustrating negative 12-yard loss he took on the reverse There's some complaints to be had, some tweaks to be made. But by and large, the Dolphins did everything right. They did everything right in Week 5. Ryan Fitzpatrick was magical to the degree in which he posted a passer rating higher than any that Dan Marino ever posted in his 17-year career with the Miami Dolphins. Preston Williams officially back. Xavier Howard, third pick in three games, officially back. The team did indeed move Jesse Davis from right tackle to left tackle and put Robert Hunt in at right tackle. And guess what? Robert Hunt kicked the shit out of some dudes up front. He pushed guys around. Him and Solomon next to each other, double teams pushing guys eight yards down the field. The linebackers got in on the pass rush. Miami rattled Jimmy Garoppolo's cage to the point in which Kyle Shanahan benched him. They contained George Kittle. Granted, San Francisco's super banged up. They got some bodies back. Does the team look any different if Nick Bosa and Richard Sherman are playing? Yes. Do those two make up a 26-point discrepancy between these two football teams? I don't think so, no. no. Granted, San Francisco's two wins thus far this season, they're two and three on the season, came against the Jets and Giants, two teams that are a combined 0-10 on the year. The reality is San Francisco is not the same team as last year's defending NFC champions. But Miami still had to take this trip, still had to deal with the distraction of having their entire schedule for the next month turned upside down, Because of COVID restrictions. Playing on the West Coast. And they beat the hell out of San Francisco. They didn't just beat San Francisco. They put their foot on the throat of San Francisco and closed the game. We talk about learning how to win games. From top to bottom, the whole organization. The youngest roster in football. Second year head coach. So on and so forth. One of the big gripes and complaints that everybody had with the Dolphins in week four against Seattle was that the Dolphins settled for field goals in situations in which you really should have gone for seven. We had a fourth and two or three and a fourth and five, both from the Seattle 11 yard line in week four. And the Dolphins kicked field goals in both of those opportunities. Yes. Jason Sanders kicked five field goals against San Francisco but Miami also repeatedly found the end zone. They were more aggressive down the field, pushing the ball down the field. I loved some of the coaching points. There's so much to get into here. But the the most important play call of the game for me was not the opening shot down the field. It was not the pressure packages. It wasn't the deep shot to Devante or Devontae Parker on third down third and goal from the 22, that scored a touchdown. It wasn't Mike Gusecki's long ball. It was fourth and one from the Dolphins' own 35-yard line, with seven minutes and change left in the third quarter. The Dolphins at the time led 30-14. to Fourth and one, the Dolphins send the punt team out on the field, and the Dolphins fake the punt. And Clayton Fedulum got a yard and a half, needing a yard to convert. The Dolphins, in their next three plays, went 31 yards, 2 yards, and 32 yards. And were in the end zone. And pushed the lead from two scores at 16-point deficit back to 23. That, at that point in the game, San Francisco had a little bit of momentum. They had managed to wall off. Miami had two interceptions before the half. They held them to field goals both times. Miami... Gives the ball back to San Francisco to open the second half after Miami doesn't do anything with it. San Francisco goes down the field as a benefit of that BS roughing the passer call. They go down the field, they score a touchdown, cut it to 16 points. The Dolphins, their first three plays, they find themselves fourth and one. It's the opportunity to go for the win and play to win. Brian Flores and his coaching staff and the Dolphins and how they managed the Seattle game, they managed that game to not lose, a close game. Well, this time around, they woke up and decided, we're going to play to win the football game. We're going to put our foot on San Francisco's throat. We're going to be relentless, and we're going to go for it. And they did go for it, and they got it. And in three plays, they're in the end zone because they broke San Francisco's back on that call. That's the Brian Flores that we saw in 2019. Playing with nothing to lose because the confidence that it puts in your offense, the confidence that it puts in your defense, speaks volumes. You saw what the offense did when they got to go back out there. Three plays they're in the end zone. The confidence in the defense, running around like their hairs on fire, smacking the hell out of San Francisco quarterbacks, more than one of them. They beat Jimmy G up so bad they pulled him at halftime. There's so much good with this football game. But Brian Flores and green lighting his staff playing aggressive faking the punt on fourth and one from their own 35 in a two score football game. And then breaking San Francisco's back on the ensuing three plays. That is what I am most excited about today. Which might sound silly. Because Fitz was incredible. We went from Fitz Tragic last week to Fitz Magic again this week. That's the book. I'm not going to ride the roller coaster. Inevitably, at some point, we're going to get another Fitz Tragic game. But it doesn't take away. This was Philly 2019 all over again for Fitz. Just throw it up there. I want to spend a little bit of time on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball, but I had to commend special teams. I have to commend Jason Sanders making five field goals in this football game. I have to commend Danny Crossman and Brian Flores and the punt team for having the stones to go for it on fourth and one and be willing to put their foot on San Francisco's throat and call a game to win it, not to just not lose it. Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether there are corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders, they call us by name, always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support, so it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless Visa to help support your community, because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. If you're
1: looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason... If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.
0: Offensively, the Miami Dolphins uh, jumped on top of San Francisco very quickly. Uh, Opening possession, touchdown. Second possession, touchdown. Touchdown. I love the fact that Miami came out, identified a matchup that they liked. Brian Allen, this poor dude, practice squatter from San Francisco, gets elevated to the active roster because Richard Sherman's out. Emmanuel Mosley's out. I think they had another corner that was out. They had like Jason Verrett, Akello Witherspoon, and Brian Allen were the top three corners on the team. Advantage Dolphins, and clearly the Dolphins... Drop back passing, very first play, Preston go get it. And what happened? Preston went up and got it. Preston posting his first career 100-yard receiving game against San Francisco. That's a big win. Miami and their coaching approach in this football game, identifying matchup advantages that they like, is a big win. But again, I'm going to go off the beaten path here a little bit with what I choose to champion from a 43-point offensive outburst for the Dolphins. Mind you, they didn't get any defensive scores. The defense set them up numerous times to score points, but the Dolphins did not benefit from a defensive touchdown, unlike the New York Jets, who have scored seven touchdowns on the season through five games, one of which was a defensive score. Had to throw that dig in there because, of course, it's freaking Jets week. The most impressive thing that happened for me offensively for the Dolphins was another second-half possession. Dolphins possessed the football for 36 minutes and 53 seconds. They almost outgained San Francisco by 200 yards of offense. Mike Gusecki, 70-yard reception, second-longest reception in the history of the Miami Dolphins. Ryan Fitzpatrick. He was 22 of 28 for 350 yards and three touchdowns, nearly a perfect quarterback rating. But what was impressive to me, you ask? The Dolphins took over a possession in the second half of this football game after San Francisco kicked a field goal to move the score to 37 to 17. It started with the first snap took place with 21 seconds left in the third quarter. Dolphins, at this point, up three touchdowns, 20 points. It's a three-score football game at this point. San Francisco has to play perfect from here on out to have a chance. The Dolphins ran nine plays on this possession. It went 62 yards, and it lasted seven minutes and six seconds. So, effectively, the half of the fourth quarter half of the remaining football game from when the dolphins took over. The dolphins possessed the football on this nine play 62 yard drive. And of the nine plays, Miami kicked a field goal on the last one to push the lead to 43 to se- or 40 to 17. And they ran the ball seven out of eight plays. This is how good to, Remember what we talked about with Jacksonville in week three and how anemic the offense got? And it's like, wow, holy cow. Like The Dolphins didn't even finish with 300 yards of offense. What happened? They went three and out a bunch. The Dolphins have to learn how to close games. The Dolphins have to learn consistency running the football. And yes, you look at the raw rushing numbers for this team, and it wasn't good. But Jaquem Grant also lost 12 yards on a reverse. He's on my poop list because he didn't play a good game. He almost muffed the punt and gifted San Francisco the opportunity to get right back into the football game. He took a loss and he dropped a pass on a shallow crosser. Not a good day from Jaquem Grant. So if you're looking for black clouds to go with all these you know, positive takeaways, that would be one. Miami, first and 10 from their own 25, Gaskin for five yards. Second and five, first play of the fourth quarter, Gaskin for four yards. Third and one, play doesn't count. Lynn Bowden, Wildcat offense. It's been fun watching that thing develop over the last couple of weeks. Off right guard behind Solomon Kinley for six yards. They called Shaheen on a hold, they had to redo the play. Dolphins pass. Pass fell short left to Mike Gusecki. Akello Witherspoon defensive pass interference extends the drive. It's a spot foul. Dolphins take reset possession first and 10 from their 41. Adam Pankey comes in heavy offensive lineman. It's a heavy personnel set. Gaskin left guard for 21 yards. Burita up the middle for two yards. Neutral zone infraction from Javon Kinlaw. Matt Breida up the middle for 12. Panky reports is eligible. Matt Breida, right guard for one. Second and nine, Fitzpatrick passed short middle, Miles Gaskin for four yards. Check down. Miles Gaskin up the middle on third and five for one yard. Kick the field goal. The time ends at 8.40 in the fourth quarter. The Dolphins drained half the fourth quarter on one possession in which they committed to running the football, and they had several runs of 10-plus yards. Matt Breida continues to show he's got a little bit of spark to him. Miles Gaskin continues to take the majority of the snaps, but Breida had his biggest workload yet against his former team in San Francisco. He carried nine times for 28 yards. Okay. And he caught one pass for 31 yards. Breed had almost 60 yards offense on 10 touches. It's a good average. That's a great average. Dolphins as a team, 2.8 yards per carry. Yeah, that's not good. Jakeem Grant lost 12 yards on one, which would have put them at 106, which would have put them slightly below their season average on a per yardage rush basis. But that also includes the fake punt, which was a rush for one yard. Lim Bowden had a six-yard rush that was negated by a penalty from Adam Shaheen. The Dolphins, when they, they committed to run the football, and they ran it, damn it. 37 minutes, effectively, time of possession, scoring 43 points. Complimentary football all around. That, as much as anything, should have you juiced. As fun as it is seeing Fitzpatrick lay up 50-50 balls to all these 6'4", 6'5", dudes, seeing Robert Hunt come in at right tackle and he and Solomon Kinley beat the tar out of guys on the line of scrimmage sure was fun. And when the time comes for Austin Jackson to get back into the fray, there's now no reason to not have those three dudes on. Because Jackson's got an NFL playing experience, he got his feet wet for four games, you know what you have in him. And if Robert Hunt plays anything like the way that he did in week five against San Francisco, without some good pieces up front for San Francisco, I'm perfectly willing to admit that San Francisco was not at 100% health in this football game in the trenches. But again, Fitz was sacked twice, and one of his sacks was a good sack to take in the red zone on a rollout. Play's not there. Don't force something dumb, which was my complaint for Fitz at the end of the Patriots game when he threw the pick in the in the end zone. You're in a position to score points. Don't do something dumb. In that case, he didn't. He takes a sack. Dolphins take three points. So, offensively, so much good to be had. Preston Williams looking like himself. Mike Iseki, explosive plays. Mike, you got to get on your horse there, buddy, in the open field. I guarantee you somebody dogged him about not scoring on that play. Fitz was at the top of his game against San Francisco. The offensive line continued to look sufficient. A potential long-term identity for this team. Those are wins for the Dolphins. And those wins equate to 43 points, the most points the Dolphins have scored in a game since they beat the Houston Texans and hung almost 50 on them in Dan Campbell's uh, coaching debut or second game. I don't remember which one it was in 2015 after the firing of Joe Philbin. It can be awkward or embarrassing to talk about erectile dysfunction. It's easy to brush it off or blame yourself. But with Roman, they are here to give you the advice you want and the help you need with no shame. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A healthcare professional will will work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship you real medicine with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started, go to GetRoman.com slash locked on and complete an online visit. ED used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor. And take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com LockedOn to get up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment free with an online visit and a free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOn for up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment. Our friends at Built Bar are back with these new, wonderfully engineered protein bars that taste like candy bars, not like protein bars. And they are bringing back six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, uh, carrot cake. I know they've got the strawberry for breast cancer awareness month this month, which I got a couple boxes on the way. We're going to find out. (laughs) But if they're anything like the rest of the bars, odds are this is a first round top of the draft board candy bar, but it's actually a protein bar. They're healthy. You're up to talking, you're talking up to 20 grams of protein under 200 calories per bar one-seventh the grams of carbs and sugar of your typical protein bar, what's not to like? Built Bar, new promo code, new offer. You can use promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com, plus a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order. Defensively. A lot of good, as you might expect, from a 26-point beatdown. What is most impressive to me amidst Miami's victory, first of all, how about Emmanuel Agba? We talked about him last week as potentially being uh, an X-factor in this football game and having to play really stout on the edge. Well, Raheem Mostert did get one run around the left edge uh, against the Dolphins. It was, I think it was a 37-yard run. But Miami, they stuffed San Francisco on fourth and short. And Emmanuel Agba stacked up Trent freaking Williams on the play. San Francisco tried to run right behind Trent Williams, and Agba stacked him up. He pushed Williams back into the gap, and he slammed that shut. And the Dolphins took over on on downs. That had a sack in this football game. He continues to just stand out in all the right ways. Obviously, the Dolphins, you miss a guy like Shaq Lawson. Shaq Lawson, maybe not, has been the most prominent player, the most high profile signing. He signed a $10 million per year deal, three years, $30 million with the Dolphins. Comes with a certain level of expectations. Akma signed a two year deal worth close to, I think, seven and a half per. Agba's been the better player. This is the difference, this is a big difference in some of my team building philosophies. The difference between addressing and investing in issues on your roster. Because if the Dolphins signed Shaq Lawson to a three year, $30 million a year deal and say, hey, we got a new guy to play on the edge, we're good to go. Are you good to go? Because what happens if everything else stays the same? Shaq's been, eh, okay. He's been okay. He's been stout. Was expecting probably a little bit more pass rush juice from him. But he found that against Seattle. And then he got hurt. Well, he gets hurt. Now what? Emmanuel Agba being an, another addition to help craft and create, much like the offensive line on the other side of the ball, much like the secondary the Dolphins committing to the keys to their identity as a team, you're seeing some of the fruits of that labor with a win like this against San Francisco. Because, hey, guess what? Speaking of the defense and investments in the defense, Byron Jones was back. I don't know if you guys noticed. The dude was clamps. The dude snapped every other piece of this secondary back into its preferred role. And the end result was Noah Igbenogany only played 10 snaps. Noah was never supposed to be every down featured corner on this team. But ironically enough, despite all of his rawness, he's probably a better option for that role than Nick Needham on the outside. Needham played predominantly in the nickel. I think this served as a good reset week for Igbenogany. Nick, you... Nick's, Nick's performance was the Jakeem Grant on offense. Stop touching, guys, dude. For all the good, Byron Jones played a terrific football game. Xavier Howard logged his third interception in as many games, which gives him 15 since December of 2017, which is the most in the NFL by two, and he's missed 15 games over that time span. He's missed 15 games. And the dude has two more interceptions than everybody since December 2017. It's incredible. Dolphins, we mixed and matched coverages a little bit, like I kind of hoped we would see them do, so that those eyes can be in the backfield on the early downs. And then once Miami got out in front of this game, Ryan Fitzpatrick said it in the post game the ability to play with a lead is such a huge confidence boost for a young team like the Dolphins, and it really kind of sets the stage for execution to be there instead of constantly chasing the game. Well, the Dolphins jumped up on top, and then they turned the heat up on Jimmy G. And we got linebackers, Jerome Baker, Andrew Van Ginkle, Elan and Roberts come crashing through gaps. Van Ginkle played a great football game on Sunday. He had six tackles, a sack, and a tackle and a half for loss, plus another quarterback hit and a forced fumble. We did the locked-on Seahawks crossover, and one of the questions I was asked was, you know, who, who can we kind of expect to see uh, threatening Russell Wilson off the edge? I mentioned Van Ginkle. I was just a week early but his first step is so apparent playing in the Vince Beagle role he's got more juice than Vince and it's really apparent that you could see him when the dolphins commit to going heavy between the guards which they did they spent a lot of time with three down linemen in the running downs guard center guard and then you got your linebacker exchanges your Kyle Van Noice your Andrew Van Ginkles those guys playing the outside contained stuff. Emmanuel Logba when they went with more of a four-man front. Bobby McCain, second consecutive strong showing from Bobby McCain, logged an interception in deep middle field. Granted, Dolphins greatly benefited from Jimmy G just kind of dropping it off his back foot, not wanting to get hit. But that's a testament to complementary football all around. Offense, defense, special teams, coaching, every box is checked. I'm not super worried about the penalties. The roughing the passer call was nonsense. It's frustrating to see fringe guys, complimentary guys like Jakeem and Nick Needham, kind of leave you wanting a little bit more. But your hope is those guys with the resiliency that they have mentally as football players, the next time there's numbers called, they'll be ready to answer the call and they will do a better job than what they did in week five. Dolphins, it's Victory Monday. I don't want to spend any time talking on the Jets. We've got all week to talk about the Jets. Jets are 0-5. And they're a horrible football team. This was not who we, the Dolphins were supposed to play this week, but it's who's on the schedule, and then we get a bye. So here's hoping the Dolphins at home can do what they're supposed to do, execute, continue to beat teams that don't have elite quarterback play, and we can go into the bye week at 3-3, three and three, which is kind of Exactly where I thought they'd be, just in a very different kind of way. The Dolphins, I don't know if you guys know this. This is what I'll leave you with. But you look at the Dolphins and their rankings across the rest of the NFL. You might be surprised to hear that the Dolphins have the 12th ranked scoring offense in the NFL 136 points in five games, just under 28 points per game. The Dolphins have the ninth rated scoring defense in the NFL. The Dolphins have a plus point differential. They are 2-3, and but they're plus 23 in point differential. I understand it's only one-third of the season. But can you tell me the last time the Dolphins finished with a top-12 offense and defense in scoring and a positive point differential? I'll wait. I'll give you a minute to think about it. Last time it happened, 2002, under Dave Wonstadt, the team finished 9-7 in a stretch of six consecutive winning seasons, by the way. They went 9-7, and missed the playoffs. They were plus 77 in point differential, 12th in scoring offense, 4th in scoring defense. J- Ricky Williams' first year with the team was the last time the Dolphins had top 12 scoring offense, defense, and pl- positive point differential. It's only third of the season. That statistic only becomes official when all the games are played. But at the same time, this is now a team. Think about what week five felt like last year. What was week five? The Washington game? When they went for two? You knew they were close, but they were 0-5, and they were miserable for the first month of the season. This is not a miserable football team. And the fact that this team has come out and dominated both Jacksonville and San Francisco in the last two weeks says that if you, if you don't have elite talent, a high-end coach, and a high-end quarterback, the Dolphins are going to give you fits. They might not win all those games. But we said at the beginning of the season, the schedule prediction for this team was somewhere around 500, potentially 9-7. and seven. That's on the table, guys. It's one of the reasons why I was so frustrated with the Bills' loss because, man, like you, if you could steal a win like that, there's a lot on the table for you as a football team. They didn't. It's fine. We're now 2-3. and three. We're moving forward. But just, I'll leave you with this. Week 6, home against the Jets. By week, home against the Rams, who are 4-1, and one. they're looking quite formidable, but they've also gotten all four of their wins against the NFC East, and they lost to Buffalo by the same margin that the Dolphins did. Arizona Cardinals, 3-2, some soft wins on their schedule. Home against the Chargers, on the road against the Broncos on the road against the Jets, home against the Bengals. That takes you to 12 games played. Any of those teams you hear and you say, "Oh, shoot, Dolphins aren't going to win that one." We're entering into a very winnable stretch of football games for the Miami Dolphins, and I hope you are as excited as I am to take that ride. I heard from several of you after the win yesterday. Said, "Man, Kyle, bring that bring that same energy that you brought to the Bills podcast after the Bills loss, but on the other end of the spectrum. And if I didn't, then that's on me, because that's exactly how I feel today after this caliber of a win over San Francisco on the road against a very good offensive strategist in Kyle Shanahan. Enjoy Victory Monday. Tomorrow we turn our sights to the GD Jets. It's Jets week. It's Jets hate week. The Dolphins are home. It's a chance to bury the Jets in the standings. It's a chance to climb back to 500. There's a lot at stake. And the Dolphins, based on the way they've played two of their last three football games in Jacksonville and San Francisco, both teams that are better than the Jets, there's a lot of expectations. Let's get out there and do it. Come back tomorrow. Look forward to talking to you then. Kyle Krabs. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins.